On August 19, 2003, Sergio de Mello, the head of United Nations Mission in Baghdad, was killed along with members of his team and other civilians. We're here to look back at what happened on that Tuesday at the United Nations headquarters based at the Canal Hotel, and we'll together find who killed de Mello. In today's episode, we will discuss what caused the war in Iraq in 2003 under the pretext that Iraq had WMD US went to war. Hi, lovely people. This is Leila, and I'm glad you're here today with me on Who Killed DeMello? See, the political tension escalated between the U.S. and Iraq in the period years of 2000 through 2002. And due to the obsession of the U.S. with weapons of mass destruction, and as a result, in late of 2002, the United Nations Security Council voted for security, excuse me, for resolution number 1441, as we mentioned that in the first episode. The resolution was adopted unanimously by the United Nations Security Council offering Iraq under Saddam Hussein a final opportunity to comply with its disarmament obligations that had been set out in several previous resolutions. It provided a justification for what was subsequently termed the United Nations, excuse me, the U.S. invasion of Iraq. You guys have to understand that in the aftermath of September the 11th attacks in 2001, Saddam's regime in Iraq suddenly became the spotlight of the ongoing war on terror. Washington back then, if you recall, used the emotional factor to justify planning to invade Iraq, such as telling the Americans, let's fight the terrorism overseas better than here and all those lame slogans. So Iraq suddenly was the center of attention after September the 11th, and the U.S. got obsessed with it under the excuse that Iraq has weapon of mass destruction. And But on the other side, the United Nations inspection team back then, let, uh, let's just give an example that Mr. Uh, Hans Blix, who was executive chairman of United Nations Monetary Verification and Inspection Commission, by the way, this uh, this agency was uh, created just for uh, Iraq's inspection. He repeatedly told the Americans, and even after the war had started in 2003, that Saddam and his men were cooperating with United Nations inspections, inspectors, and in February of 2003, just a month prior of the attack on Iraq, Saddam had provided the agency with the names of hundreds of scientists to interview. Individuals Saddam claimed had been involved in the destruction of the banned weapons. But that didn't work. It was too late. Had the inspections been allowed to continue, there would have been a very different situation in Iraq back then. But the inspectors couldn't 
because of the Security Council Resolution 1441 that we mentioned earlier that was issued back in end of 2002. In February of 2003, Colin Powell gave a speech at the Security Council, and for over 90 minutes, he tried hard to prove two things, that Iraq has weapon of mass destruction, and Zarqawi, an officer for Al-Qaeda, was in Iraq. See, the Security General Colin Powell didn't tell us that day in the long speech for Security Council if Zarqawi was one-legged man or two-legged man in his speech, in his long speech. Well, he did mention that Zarqawi was receiving treatment in one of Baghdad's hospitals because he was injured in his leg. And uh, treatment in Baghdad? A radical Muslim thug had connection with Saddam's secular Saddam? This is another dog shit, y'all. And there was... an. And you guys see, see here, U.S. was telling us there was Al-Qaeda presence in Iraq, led by Zarqawi. Was that enough reason to go to war, to send troops to go after one-legged man? And by the way, Zarqawi just happened to be behind the attack of United Nations in Baghdad. And that is total dog shit. Colin Powell later admitted how wrong he was that day at the Security Council. He even called it the worst day in his life. I believe most of George Bush's cabinet's members knew how wrong they were, except one person, and that is, yes, you guessed it, Condoleezza Rice. Two months prior of the war, Condoleezza Rice wrote an opinion editorial to the New York Times titled, Why We Know Iraq is Lying. If you want, you can read it online, by the way. I don't have time to go through it here. Uh, But just to let you know, one thing, that the Iraq war was Condi's rice war. That woman would never admit she was wrong. A tough cookie she was. What can I say? She would have made a better piano player than a politician. But people choose their own career in their lives. Up Up to today, guys, She perhaps thinks the war was a good thing that the U.S. did. Even with an interview with Katie Couric, she said, listen to this, this is weird. She said, what you know today can affect what you know and do tomorrow. But what you know today cannot affect what you did yesterday. I don't know what kind of logic is this. It's, It's just this kind of... Logic is only used to justify a war against Iraq. I don't know, am I saying this just because I'm Iraqi or just, it's so weird. What you know today can affect what you know and do tomorrow. But what you know today cannot affect what you did yesterday. That's another dog shit, guys. The United Nations knew Iraq didn't have weapon of mass destruction. Even the former UN weapon inspector, William Scott Ritter Jr. He worked in Iraq from years of 1991 to 1998, and he stated that Iraq possessed no significant WMD, but the U.S. insisted that Iraq was hiding chemicals and WMD. Prior to the war in March of that year of 2003, DeMello flew to Washington to meet with George W. Bush, 
Anne Condi Rice, who was back then just a national security advisor. DeMello was, as we mentioned earlier, he was the United Nations High Commissioner of Human Rights. And his concern was the mistreatment of detainees at Guantanamo and, of course, the Iraq War. I'm not really sure what was the meeting about. It was secretive. We only have bits and pieces here and there. But DeMello knew that George W. Bush was determined to go to war. So the U.S. attacks Iraq that year of 2003. And have you guys noticed that I haven't mentioned Dick Cheney's name yet? Dick Cheney, who pushed for the war back then in 2003. I mean, this is the man who, back in the first Gulf War in 1991, he was a secretary of defense under George Bush, the, the father. And Cheney was against changing the Iraq's regime. He was afraid if the U.S. Army moved to Baghdad from Kuwait, moved up north, that Iraq would have a sectarian war and the U.S. military would have to stay in Iraq. And of course, there was no replacement for Saddam is ready. The U.S. military did two things that year of 1991. They liberated Kuwait from Saddam and they weakened the military, Saddam's military capacities. That same sage Dick Cheney now was for the occupation. What happened to Cheney between years of 1991 and 2003? Cheney went to work for the giant Halliburton. And in 2003, Cheney and Bush's team were for a total invasion this time because now there was Halliburton, Contracts with giant corporations, Monsanto, billions of dollars. And the U.S. invasion and military occupation had put giant companies at a big advantage over their rivals, particularly those in France and China. See, Iraq was under economic sanctions since 1990, and it has been behind in terms of telecommunication, infrastructure, you name it. So many companies such as... Monsanto and Motorola were excited to get in the country. Iraq for them was a new field for them since the sanctions would be, of course, as a reaction of uh, Saddam's removal will be lifted right after uh, 2003. And do you all know what was one of the first targets the U.S. bombed in 2003? Iraqi Seed Bank. Let me just take you back a year after in 2004. And, and since we mentioned Monsanto and the bombing of the seed bank, according to Order 81 issued by Paul Bremer, the, United, the U.S. ambassador in Iraq and the head of CPA, the Coalition Provisional Authority, ordered the people in Iraq are now prohibited from saving seeds and may only plant seeds for their food from licensed, authorized U.S. distributors. This was Paul Bremer, guys, the man that Bush appointed to rule Iraq after the fall of Saddam. He even wrote a book about his experience in Iraq. Not even once, of course, he mentioned Monsanto in his memoir. What was he supposed to write? I made a damage to Iraq's farmers and brought them pesticide and GMOs. So this was Paul Bremer, the coalition provisional authority that Bush appointed 
in May of 2003, Paul Bremer replaced Lieutenant General Jay Garner, who was the first man to be selected after the invasion for the post of reconstruction of, of a humanitarian assistant team. I think this was the third week of April. And before that, on April 9th, Baghdad fell and the Iraqis were liberated by the Americans who rid them of Saddam at last. During that time, there was pressure on the Security General from the Security Council to have United Nations presence in Iraq. So Kofi Annan picked DeMello as his representative in Iraq, who was back then, as we mentioned, a United Nations High Commissioner of Human Rights. For Sergio was known for being a problem solver and a good negotiator, as we mentioned in last episode, how Sergio opened a dialogue with the Khmer Rouge and all that. The very same day, Sergio flew from Geneva to New York City to meet with Kofi Annan. I guess that was like mid-May. Uh, the Security Council voted and issued the disgraced resolution number 1483 which gave the United States the highest authority in Iraq and have total access for Iraq's oil revenue. That, that's why Paul Bremer issued Order 81 regarding the seeds, as I mentioned earlier. Only France, Russia, and China, the three biggest members of the Security Council, they vetoed the resolution. Kofi Annan was against it, and I'm sure Sergio Mello too. The following day, Sergio had a meeting with Kofi Annan, who asked him to represent him in Baghdad and leave his position temporarily. Sergio put two conditions to Kofi Annan. One, he only serves four months in Baghdad. And two, he'd form his own team that consisted of Nadia Yunus, who brought her expertise with her from Kosovo, and Ghassan uh, Salame, who was a former Lebanese uh, cultural minister, and Jean Salim Kanan, who was on his uh, political officer at United Nations. And he also chose his partner, Carolina Larriera, who was an economist officer that would be a good asset in the time of Iraq's now supposedly open to the world and after many years of sanction. Well, and. From his team, he had uh, two great guys. That was Marwan Ali and uh, Rick Hooper, who was an, a young, brilliant American who was killed on that Black Tuesday along with DeMello. Meanwhile, uh, that May of 2003, Paul Bremer was appointed to be the envoy for the United uh, States. And he arrived in Iraq, I think, the third week of May in 2003. He got to Iraq without a plan. He only came with contracts of giant companies. And now after the resolution of 1483, uh, basically Iraq for, for, for the U.S. was a market. See how they like the way? I mean, brilliantly, they, they paved the way for, for this uh, kind of business. So now the U.S. office in Baghdad was transformed into the Coalition Provisional Authority from, you remember when I earlier said that Jay Garner had led the post-war reconstruction effort that was removed now after the new resolution of 1483, which according to it, Bremer became Iraq's chief executive authority that made him the most powerful foreign post held by any American outside the U.S. 
And do you know what was the very first thing Paul Bremer did in Iraq? He dismantled the Iraqi army. As, as all we know, Iraq was a military country. You can't just let thousands of men go. See, okay, instead of winning them, these military men who were against Saddam anyway, he let them go, and now they were considered a direct potential threat to the coalition forces in Iraq. So this was the U.S. military led by Paul Bremer. That's it for today, guys. And uh, please subscribe for uh, Who Killed Sergio DeMello. And I hope I see you next week. The song at this podcast is by the Iraqi-American artist Faris Farah.